Well, do you have anything you want to talk about about this episode before we talk about the episode? <laughs> um, anything off camera that you want to uh, discuss? No, there were two moments, and I, I that didn't take me. I mean, I guess it took me out. One of them was Burgle, which we'll talk about, but the other one I cannot remember, and it was about halfway through the episode, and I'm disappointed. I bet you so, I can remember it for you. I know. Yeah, I'm, I, I think you will. Well, I was hoping you would. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, let's see uh, if I can remember. As you know, this is the measure of an episode where it is our continuing mission to explore what makes Star Trek genuine Star Trek and not just Halloween dress up. I'm Paul. And I'm Jonathan. And we do this with three criteria. The first one is, is there sci-fi absolutely woven into the plot and cannot be removed? It must be there for the story to make sense. Number two is, mm-hmm. is that sci-fi presented in a unique or novel fashion? And number mm-hmm. three is, is there mm-hmm. a moral or ethical dilemma that a character must face? I'm glad you agree with me. I'm Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And I'm Paul. And this week, we watched Picard Season 3, Episode 6, The Bounty. All right, so let's see what we're watching next. K-Y-O-T. The Bounty. K-Y-O-T. The Bounty. Wow. Anybody know what that is? I know. That's... So local and so... <laughs> yeah, so long time ago. Right. And the blurb, let's see what the blurb is this week. Now on the run by card. And the skeleton crew of the USS Titan must break into Starfleet, most top secret facility, to expose a plot they could destroy the Federation in Picard, must turn to the only solid in a galaxy who can help an old friend. Not a gas. <laughs> uh, not a liquid. But the well, only solid in the I like, galaxy. I like he's got, like, you know, the, the favor that you're owed. He's like, I've got a solid out there. Let's go get it. <laughs> it sounds like the plot to, like, a galaxy's, what, what is it? Gal- uh, what's the Marvel thing where they're in space? Galaxies. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Got a solid somewhere by some <laughs> alien. Okay, okay. Or the Quantumania with the blob that has holes. I don't even know what that is. What is that? Oh, it was Ant-Man 3, more Ant-Man. Oh, I didn't see. Uh, was that the subtitle, more Ant-Man? <laughs> I, I wish that Thor 4 had been that. Thor 4, more Thor. <laughs> well, it should have been less Wasp Girl. I would have gone to see it. If it was Ant-Man, less Wasp Girl, then I would have gone to see that better. Just because you don't like Evangeline Lilly or you're chauvinistic? Uh... They don't have to be mutually exclusive. All three. I mean, I think that um, the third one, I'm going to tell you what it is. (laughs) I just don't, it doesn't interest me. It feels, I don't know. I just, I I want there to be one little guy. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of When there's two, that's too many. They take up too much space. (laughs) Yeah. They do exactly the same thing. Right. You know, like what, why do we need another superhero that does exactly the same thing well we're getting a girl hawkeye whose name will be hawkeye well is she replacing the old hawkeye uh yeah okay then that's fine as long as only one okay (laughs) i see what you're saying (laughs) so what about hulk and she hulk they seem so disparate characters that um i'm kind of okay with it i love that show by the way yeah she hulk i didn't i didn't watch it you didn't watch it it's great it's great i liked uh, the Loki one a little bit better because it's a little bit more serious. But in terms of comedy, Marvel, it's uh, spot on. Nice. Good. Much enjoy. Much enjoy. Yeah, no, the only Marvel thing that we're doing right now is uh, all of the Spider-Mans. I, I want to have the girls watch Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, and then Andrew Garfield, and then Tom Holland so they can really enjoy that last one. Yeah, but are you going to – because here's the thing. Spider-Man 3, Tobey Maguire – not so great. I know uh, that's, that's what we're waiting on next. And like the, the two, well, the, the two, the, yeah. The, yeah, the two Garfield ones, not so great. So they'd be like, eh, don't really care to continue. I've, I've kind of ruined, you've ruined Spider-Man for me, dad. So I'm not going to continue on to the good ones. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we'll find out. I kind of ruined Star Wars for them in that way. Like we watched, we're, it's now been enough time that we're going to go back to it and just watch them in order one through nine. Uh, but we did the, I think it's called the Machete series, where it's four, five, then one, two, three, then six. What's the purpose of going four, five, one, two, three, six? It's to set up like what the conflict is, and then it's to kind of flash back and see why why all that happened. And then you get the nice resolution in six of everything. 
it's like the lost episode from hell where a flashback lasts three <laughs> movies. <laughs> right. And then you come back to the original and you really don't know that much more about the situation at all. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to try and mention lost every episode now. I think we're, we have a pretty good run so far. Yeah. That's what we're doing now. Yeah. Okay. So that was good. That was a good way to, to segue that in. What are we talking about? Um, we're talking about the, the bounty, right? The bounty. K B O Y N T. The boy. <laughs> T's long. T's long in that. So I want to know is this still our favorite episode ever? Ever? No, of Picard. Okay, Sorry. yes. Ever. <laughs> of all television you've ever watched, where does this stack up? Or just in Star Trek. Like, I was okay to narrow that down. But yeah. I mean, yeah, still no. But yeah, this was definitely the best episode of Picard. Yeah. Hands down. It's doing really good yeah what it's doing really goodly yeah i i felt like this was such a good continuation you know the only thing the really the only scene that i have a super big problem with is when jack sits down to talk with picard talk about their feelings at the bar at the bar again (laughs) i mean you must be right there must have been two days where they had that set and Patrick Stewart was like, I'm, I'm not leaving this set. Bring everyone else in. <laughs> Pass me my hemorrhoids pillow, will you? <laughs> right. I think that that's must have been. I mean, that must be because he's sitting in all of his scenes now. Yeah. When's the last time you saw him walk around? Does he uh, walk around he, in this? Yeah, he did to, to see Jordy. Was he oh, there? Right. No, wait, was he there? From seat to seat. <laughs> yep, from seat to shining seat. <laughs> and that may have been face replacement. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think that he is not immobile. I just think that doing a bunch of takes where there's a lot to set up and there's a lot of moving parts in every take, you know, because when they're walking and they're doing a quick scene, like there's a lot of stuff going on. Like mm-hmm. you think about what's going on when they beam over to the Daystrom Institute, which I didn't know was in space. I always thought that was in Hawaii or something like that. Right. Well, yeah, he went to the Daystrom Institute in season one, didn't he? I, that may have been a different institute. I, I mean, that's I true. There are, yeah. Satellite universities everywhere, and this one is literally a satellite. Uh, nice. Nice. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so what was my train of thought? Oh, yeah, so he doesn't do a lot of walking, and so I kind of don't blame him. He's no. not really doing much for me in this show anyway. Like everybody else is really showing up because, mm-hmm. as you know, spoilers, LeVar Burton is in this one as reprising his role as Jordy. Do you and- want to establish who Jordy is too? <laughs> For our listening audience. I think we have plenty of episodes establishing who Jordy is. Dick Dick Jordy is on yeah. the case. And he was. He's a dick dick to his kids. <laughs> totally. Wow, I did not see that coming. Yeah. But I'm glad it wasn't everyone just wasn't like hunky dory when he beams over. Because you know, Jordy's kind of just happy go lucky when he's like not when he's in a good mood. Mm-hmm. He's pretty like happy go lucky dude. Yeah. So I was expecting him to just show up. I mean, he did sort of a somber hug with everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, it was it, it was such a weird thing to say. Like, I could either give a curt handshake or an awkward hug. And I so wanted him to put up his hand when she goes in for the hug. I so wanted it. it I mean, it and me. it could have been played for like a mild chuckle, but yeah, like that would have been like she's she's like, did you choose a hug? Yeah. He's like, no. He like brings it in like really high up close to her, you know. Right. <laughs> They should have brought in the director of the previous Strange New Worlds episode five that we just did Mm. just for that scene. He could have have made it (laughs) perfect. Guest director, cameo director. Yeah. Just for that scene. It would have been great. Yeah. By the way, did you go back and watch the scene? I told you to go back and watch so you could see the best comedic moment of Strange New Worlds episode five. I I did. And I do think – Actually, no, now that I say it out loud, I don't know which way I think. Like, I don't know if he was told to leave and the director told the door people to close the door. <laughs> we so want that to be the case. But the yes. problem is, is they had so much more to say that I yeah. can't imagine uh, Pike leaving and then they have a whole scene together, you know. So I don't know if that's true. But it, it, in our little headcanon, we hope it to be true. Right. right. Yeah. Our little behind the scenes headcanon. <laughs> he was just... Yeah. Yeah, he was expecting it, and the blocking didn't work out. The yeah. way that he just looks up at the door, right. totally confused. <laughs> like, why won't you let me leave? Why won't you let me end the scene? 
but there are a couple of things that confuse me about this episode, the Picard episode that we're right. supposed to be talking about that we haven't <laughs> talked about yet. Yeah. So the Shrike thing. So the Shrike is back in the show now after a two-episode hiatus. Which there's something that I want to talk about really quick because we – it bothered me when it happened and we didn't talk about it at all. Last we saw her when she was communicating with the hive mind or, you know, whoever she's communicating with, because we've never seen them communicate that way. She cut off her hand to communicate with them. And I don't remember this at all. I mean, I kind of remember it. Sure. I thinking of star Wars, <laughs> Luke Skywalker. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I always yeah. get those two confused. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, no, she goes over to like that little cooking pot from Breath of the Wild, and she cuts off her hand, and it. it oh, yeah, but that's explained to us, right? Which why does she have to cut off her hand if she's a shapeshifter? Why doesn't she just melt her blob into the pot? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know because I feel like that happens all the time. That happened to Odo where he get his hand chopped off, and then he would like come up to it and it, am I confusing that with the T-1000? I don't remember. But he walks up to it and it kind of reabsorbs into his mm-hmm. body. That happens, right? I think so. Yeah, so I, why I, would, I guess that's the only way to get it off? Uh, I, I don't think, maybe you can't, maybe you can't cleave off, like manually cleave off your own right. like, goop. Maybe it has to actually be removed from you. Okay. Does that work? Right. Do you buy that? Yeah, I'll, I'll tenuously I'll buy it. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, so I she's totally back. forgot about that. I totally forgot about that. That she cuts her hand off and then kind of goes. Into, I was like, what? And then I forgot about it. Yeah, like it was. And, it was a great moment, and then it fused back to her. So what I actually thought was not that she like she was some kind of hybrid, or she had some kind of symbiosis relationship with another shapeshifter, a changeling. Yeah, she's got something going on because she's got like terrible teeth. On purpose, you right? Know, like that's mm-hmm. and she smokes. Like that's they're obviously she they're they made a huge point um, to make her smoke because she's smoking like a lot now. Actually, I have to say, so she kind of opens up the the episode, I think, and she gives a she chews the scenery quite a uh-huh. bunch, a bunch yeah. right? Like she really goes for it. Um, I guess the script asked for that, but. Yeah, there's something going on with her that isn't just normal shapeshifter because she has a scar and usually you don't get scars when you're a shapeshifter. Right. I guess. Yeah. And unless you are imitating someone, which maybe she is and we don't know who that person is yet. Yeah, why would she do that though? Cuz she looks nothing like the rest of her worker friends. They did say something very interesting when this is down the road in the episode when Riker gets captured. And he says, how much goo did they insert into you or something like that? And it just, it, it's just a, a very quickly delivered line and they, they move on. And it makes me wonder who are these, these goons that Vatic has with her that she right. can just execute whenever she wants. I want to know, like, what does that mean? Are they, did they somehow um, meld or join some other pre-existing race with a shapeshifter? And that's what's going on. Well, yeah, they did say that there's this outlying faction uh, that wants the war to start up again, which it sounds like she's on that side. But then who are the other changelings? I thought that was the whole faction that was chasing after Starfleet. So why did she kill those two? They should have been on the same page as her. Unless they were just planning on killing her, killing Riker, and she didn't want that to happen. But I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. I feel like we don't have enough information. Right. But it seems I, like it's on purpose. So maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, but I also, given Picard's reputation, the series, I f- feel like her smoking and her shooting those changelings will not be explained. No, you're right. I think it's just something to put in the scenery, something yeah. interesting to put in the scenery. Yeah. 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 Ooh, yeah. what if we made her smoke? Then like we really see how bad she is because she's a smoker. Right. It's cool. It's a cool little dressing for the character. Sure. But I it's I really want it to have more purpose than that. Right. I don't think it will. Yeah. yeah. But she's she's adequately uh being a fabulous terrible villain. Yes. Yeah, and I, I do like uh, yeah, I do like that she's not a 
that, that she's not a bumbling villain, you know, that like they just have to outsmart her by turning left, you know, or something. Right. Yeah. Although I want to know, how did the Shrike avoid the gravity well? Because the it Shrike was, was in that thing. No, did it was it? on the outskirts. It was, yeah, they were, they were just getting out. Okay. Well, that's a bummer. That was another mystery. That was another mystery that we'd have never gotten the answer to. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> okay. So then we cut to the Titan and the Titan is on the run, right? And they have this neat little sequence where the Titan is, you know, kind of leaving these little breadcrumbs, throwing people off the trail. I guess that's the wrong analogy, the breadcrumb, because that would lead them to it. But you know what I mean? They're leaving these little kind of red herrings. What would you call that? There's a word for it. They use them. Distraction. Right. And yeah, leading them off the, I, I don't know. Sorry. Off the trail. Yep. Oh, we're so good at this. <laughs> Uh, but you know what I mean. And then they we we come to the Titan, and the Titan is orbiting a star very closely, which I thought they were going to acknowledge in some way that oh, the fact that we're so close to the star, it no one can track us because of the radiation coming off the star. That's what I was expecting there to be a throwaway line like that. Right. And I have another shut up Wesley moment that I'm, I'm kind of disappointed it didn't happen. It was that that acknowledgement of them orbiting the star so closely. But also that I would have loved it if the shields were kind of like pinging in and out. You know how sometimes you can see the shields going at like they're, they're getting hit with something very lightly and they're kind yeah. of always activated. And that would have been from the radiation, the, the constant radiation from the star protecting mm. the Titan. You know, mm-hmm. that would have been cool just to, as a little detail, you know, sure. a little thing that right. happens that because there would be there. I mean, they wouldn't just be able to sit there next to a star and not get a terrible sunburn and, and die from all these terrible radiation problems, you know? Well, right. And just given how dense a star is, like it's, it's gotta be such a catch 22. Cause you want to be close enough that you're protect, like you're, uh, the, the radiation from the star is blocking your signature, but you also don't want to get so close that the gravity from the star pulls you in. Right. And I think that they were still very far away from it, like mercury distance away from it. Cause it was, unless it's a very small star. Right. The, you know, the Titan looked humongous next to it. So it's very far away, but still, I think, close enough. That, that, see, this is the stuff that goes through my head. This is what I like about Star Trek. If it was Geordi, Geordi would enter the scene being like, yeah, it worked, Captain. Uh, we're close enough to the star where it's, it's masking our signature. Mm-hmm. But uh, our shields can only be here. We can only be here for two hours because our shields are going to go down if right. we don't do that. Right? Yep. Explanation that, and uh, ticking clock. Right. Yeah. yeah. Boom. We fixed it. But they didn't do that. But they didn't do that. And then magically, Worf shows up. And a couple of things about this scene. First thing that I don't like, although I kind of got the feelies from it, I still don't like it, is, again, when Worf shows up in an episode, uh, they play the Klingon theme again. Right. And that's good for, like, the first time we see him in the show. Uh-huh. But now that he's, like, a main character in the show, we don't need every time he walks on screen to acknowledge him musically. <laughs> Worf enters the room, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just uh, unimportant. Uh, they did bring in the next-gen theme because this is sort of the reunion of another another cast member, right? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. we're getting together. We're doing this, which they did a lot of in this episode. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, it would be, be kind of fun if they played – like the continu- continuation from where they left off each time a new cast member came on. So if you edited all the scenes together, you got the TNG theme song. <laughs> would there be a record scratch in there or would you leave that out? <laughs> no, just, yeah, the record scratch from the previous uh, thematic music that was playing to the TNG music. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that was a little just, I don't know, you, that's fan service stuff, you know, something for Will Wheaton to talk about. Mm-hmm. And- that show that's on after this show. What's it called? The Ready Room. I think. Yeah, the Ready Room. Right? Yeah, Ready Room. Um, but the other thing that that I noticed is that so they beam into this transporter room, which is very bright. It's probably the brightest room on this season, basically. Yes. Yeah. And we get a really good look at Worf's face, and they basically took last year's Halloween fake spider webbing and bubble gummed it onto his face. <laughs> Like, it looks terrible. It does not look like any kind of facial hair at all. It looks like 
like Santa Claus, like the worst Santa Claus beard you can think of. Think of that. Right. They, they cut yeah. it up with, with some, some of those scissors that don't cut for babies, you know, they're like, don't <laughs> cut, but they're scissors and they're like safety scissors, but they don't do anything. They used that to cut it up and then they put it on his face. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, in that scene in particular, I did notice that it just looked more like, uh, he, <laughs> he had a Coke bender and <laughs> not that he was actually like, he had grown out a uh, goatee with his white hair. <laughs> no. It's clearly because I actually thought that maybe it was Michael Dorn's actual facial hair, at least in some part, right? Mm-hmm. Well, but, and in in previous scenes, in previous episodes, it, he we've seen up close shots of him, and it, it looked fine. It looked fine. It's just very dark. Yeah, and this is what happens when you <laughs> shine a lot of light on makeup. It's not working so great. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. It was funny to me, but. Here's the thing. I, we're making fun of the little stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, this was a pretty good episode. I, I liked it. It had some corny bits here and there. Well, was it before Worf came on or after where they did have the ready room scene and we got to have everybody at the round table? That was after, I think. Cause that was it after. starts Because Worf kind of starts the scene, giving okay, us context yeah, he's, of what's like. Ooh, right, right. He's the inciting action, yeah. I would love to know... The thinking behind the the both the script and the direction, where Picard says they have to burgle whatever, and Riker says like, "Good use of the word burgle, Jean Luc," and then it cuts to Captain Shaw who like gives an acknowledging like, "Yeah, it was a good like." Yeah, what it sounds like to me, and I would feel the same way if I had written it. It's like, oh, I have this great word I want Picard to say. Picard has never said burgle before in his entire life until this moment, right? <laughs> so I can't just let it slide. I need to acknowledge it two more times. I need Will Riker to say something, <laughs> and then I need, I, need the, I need the guy who cares least about anything that's going on to acknowledge it, <laughs> just to give it that much more juice. He's like, like, this is the hill he's dying on, like full-on arguments. He's like, I need this. I know, I know. <laughs> It's there's some sort of writing thing going on here. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, uh, but I enjoyed it quite a bit because I love that Captain. If Captain Dick likes it, I like it. You right. Same. Yeah. And it, he's still my favorite character. I think he has two lines in this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want I want there to be a Picard season three. I want to be Picard colon Shaw. <laughs> and it's just like an odd couple style show. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's great. I want more. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was a very funny word for Picard to use. Right. I will grant that. Yeah. No, I'm not going to argue that part. It was just strange that you know, in the middle of all of these things, where so many five dollar words are being used, you know, here he here he is using burgle, and they're like, all right, before we continue, I just need to say, like, that was a great use of the word burgle. <laughs> was he kidding though? Was he, was he kind I of feel like if he was Picard? kidding, then Shaw would have smirked, you know, and not been like, yeah, that was a good use. Well, we don't, we didn't see who Shaw was thumbs upping. Was he thumbs upping <laughs> Picard or was he thumbs upping Will Riker? <laughs> like for the, the ribs, like, thank you for pointing out this ridiculous word that Picard just used. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think that we've way. covered Burgle more than any other Star Trek podcast? Oh, I hope so. Yeah, me too. That's what sets us apart. Right? Yeah. From the other Star Trek hitting podcast. Hitting the topics that people really care about. That's what we do. <laughs> Speaking of that, so... It Jurassic does Park? Fe- yeah, Jurassic Park. Uh, they say the word AI in this show a lot. Uh-huh. And they even refer to Data as AI, your AI friend here. Uh-huh. I don't think that word or that phrase was ever used in Next Gen or any of the original Star Trek, legacy Star Trek stuff. I feel like that's just a... Some, that, that word is very hot now. Data is AI. That's what AI looks like. Yes. Uh, you being able to type a prompt into a chat thing and it, it gives you back something that is readable, that's not AI. <laughs> that's not what AI is. It's more like machine learning, machine learned response, and they have all these different words for it. But we've kind of used AI as the go-to word for smart computer stuff. So this whole idea of AI, like I think, I think they're, they're the only ones using it right it's like we're using it wrong. Yeah. Because it's not we're not there yet. You know well, I mean? and to go back to your original question, I I believe that 
this is the first time it's being maybe, I mean, definitely new Trek. New Trek is definitely the first time it's being used outside of that. It's always been spelled out as artificial intelligence or just a, an Android or something like that. There's a different word for it. Yeah. And it, it is a tricky balance to play out. (laughs) (laughs) It is, it is a fine line to walk to have to, Play something where your audience is in the present, but your setting is the future. And you want them to talk in a way that portrays that they're in the future, but you want them to talk in a way that is accessible to your audience. Yeah, it's demonstrative of that we think we've arrived in the future because of AI or quote unquote AI that we get to use every day now. And that is in Bing. When you go to Bing, you can touch them into Bing and use AI. We want to live in the future, and this is us trying to codify that we are, in fact, living in the future now because, see, we used – they have artificial intelligence in the future and now. Right. So there's yep. only one explanation for that. So right. <laughs> um, so to segue into the AI bit, I'm so irritated by Moriarty and that whole scene in general, like the I – do, I do appreciate the little callbacks in dialogue two different moments. I didn't think crows were such a big part of data's dreams that I think that was a first Picard season callback, which did not land for me. I was not, maybe it was supposed oh, to season be one of Picard of Picard. Yeah. Oh uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's from next generation when data was dreaming. I'm pretty sure that there were crows in his dreams. Oh, okay. Uh, but that, that's kind of my point. Like it was so long ago and it was, something that they were trying to help data through. Like it wasn't from that day forward. He always dreamed about crows. Like it was just a problem in a single episode so many years ago. And they see a single crow flying by and Riker's like, that crow looks familiar. And then they get to Moriarty and Moriarty's usually using actual bullets. And then they're like, but I don't think he's trying to hurt us. And Riker, which can you do that? As a performer, like, can you tell me what key or what note someone is playing? Uh, not in the context and that they're doing. I might be able to get close, but maybe Riker has perfect pitch. Right, that's what uh, I was going to say. That's yeah, very possible. That's that's new to the Riker is a musician <laughs> canon. I think. <laughs> but I also think that they were orphaned references. For example, I think that the the crow should have had more context. And the Moriarty should have had well, – why not have Moriarty make them solve a riddle or something like that? Well, yeah. That, I mean and they kind of did insofar as he was having these notes played and he was like, it's stuck in my head. But what bothers me is they're showing the flashback scene to Data's introduction. And again, I kind of feel like this was spoon-feeding the audience because – Anybody who's watching this show who's a fan of Star Trek and The Next Generation is going to know what this is referencing. And anybody who doesn't, it's just going to be new information anyway. Right. So why why go through the trouble of showing the pilot? Yeah, I agree. I think that if you don't get it, you're not going to get it, maybe. Yeah. Or at least give it, like, that's all you needed. If people are curious, Google it, right? Right. Like, I like that it, it would have been much better had they just left, he just whistled it and then gave the explanation, he's the only guy who is the worst whistler than me or whatever Whatever he said. He said yeah. it in a very descriptive way of saying it. Mm-hmm. And that was enough. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then he's in the wrong key. Yeah. I think that was because, so the music, like the score, was playing Pop Goes the Weasel <laughs> <laughs> um, in this weird diegetic way. So it was accompanying what we were hearing mm-hmm. in the score in the right key. But then what they did on set was in a different key. And so they couldn't just all of a sudden change keys. It would be very d- distracting. And so they just had him do it in a different key. Sure. But it just, it just That's seems my guess. right. And, but it just seems strange to me that you have this clip that you can easily find on the internet databases and like they could have played it back to him and been like, okay, so how would you finish this? Right. Or just ADR it. Have them record it afterward. Yeah. That would have been fine too. Yeah, absolutely. But I have to say, I I didn't find Moriarty as annoying as you did because I liked that it was 
we were kind of in Data's head a bit, sure. and that was what they were leading us to. So I was okay with it. I felt like I'm still a bit unclear as to all of the different personalities that are inside of this data now. I mean, I understand that the guy, the other Noonien son or whatever his name is, we got that vlog from him uh -huh. telling us what he was doing. But it was unclear why. I mean, I guess he gave a, a very kind of eloquent speech uh, that was vague on purpose because they wanted to explain why Data's back again. <laughs> they mm -hmm. said several times, like, I've seen Data die <laughs> twice. twice now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can take much more of this. <laughs> you know, I, I understand why they're being vague. I just wish there was a little bit more explorative material with that stuff. You know, right? Well, and the the what I took away from it is that Sung was hoping to make this AI greater than the sum of its parts. So by taking a little bit of lol and data and before and lore and Sung and anything else and just kind of kind of mixing it in the same way that the changelings, you know, all just blend together. You would get this new being that was even more evolved and even more perfect than what had been created before. See, why put in the homicidal sociopathic lore as a, like, how does that round off? <laughs> how does that round out the, uh, the AI of, of data? I don't understand. I, right. I mean, with the understanding that all of the beings would fuse together, it would just give Data a little bit uh, more appreciation for schadenfreude. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> and mis mischief, I guess. Because yeah, yeah. lore was kind of mischievous in a uh, destructive way. Mm -hmm. No, I, I would uh, honestly, I would say it was probably because Lal actually experienced the emotions and grew them on her own. And lore had the emotions. Uh, sorry, so Lal had the emotions, but she wasn't able to process them literally and so she like overloaded and lore was able to i think by putting those two together you would have the the developed emotions that could be handled like that's that's my thinking of it right yeah well, that's fine i'll buy it okay. i mean they had a reason um it's kind of neat it kind of adds a little bit of uncertainty to data so mm -hmm. i guess that's kind of nice i have to say that it's kind of amazing that brent spiner is able to emote the same way that data did 25 30 years ago or whatever he did you know mm -hmm. that it's immediately recognizable yes it's almost in in complete opposition to the way picard is playing or the way jean-luc picard is playing picard <laughs> the way patrick stewart is playing picard right because picard is in most ways unrecognizable from the old picard right data is completely recognizable mm -hmm. like the second that he comes to life you're immediately like, boom, data. There's right data, there. yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's data. And then when he did lore, it's like, oh, that's lore. <laughs> like, right. And just the casual switch between the two was so good. Yeah, and it, was, it, it wasn't an ostentatious thing, I felt like. It was just him sitting in a chair, and he wasn't making a moment out of it. He wasn't chewing on it too much. It was just, oh, I, we need you to switch between these characters to demonstrate that there is all this chaos going on inside. Right. And it was just enough. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Well, and what was so interesting about it, no, sorry, just to kind of continue the scene a little bit, the the moment that I, I was like, why are people not reacting more to this is when he projected things out of his eyes. Like yeah, That was weird. That was why weird. was everyone just like, oh, okay, let's see what he's projecting and not like, oh, shit. <laughs> it starts firing phasers at him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it's a new upgrade. I guess. Well, yeah, and it just everybody took it in stride. They're like, "Oh, Data has movie eyes now." Okay. Yeah, maybe everybody has that. <laughs> Jordy does too. He's like, "You're not special." Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Jordy, so this must be the first iteration of Jordy, where he has not had to wear a prosthetic or contact lenses because I think his eyes are now just entirely CG. Oh, okay. Yeah, it seems a little too perfect to me. Right. And they're so close to him in a lot of the scenes that yeah. it it seems like if they were contact lenses, they would they would not look good. So I think it's like an eye tracking thing. Interesting. Going on. Okay. Okay. I mean, entirely good. possible. Yeah. Yeah. Look good. I mean, I really like. I mean, everybody is showing up with mm -hmm. the uh, with the acting chops yeah. to me. And it could be that this is these are just so familiar 
that they play them for so long that it's kind of easy to fall back into it. But I mean, I believe everything they're saying. It doesn't yeah. feel like anybody's phoning it in. Yeah, they're so comfortable with them. Yeah, it is. It is very fun to like as as more of the crew comes back together. It is very fun to see them bounce off each other. I do wonder if Data is going to play a role or if he's going to melt down or turn into a new character. I would be very curious where this is going. You probably already know. There's one scene that I know. Again, I was flipping through like YouTube shorts and it came up. And so I, I wound up watching it. Um, oh, you can't help yourself, man. No, the, you got to eat that marshmallow. <laughs> this was something completely different. Like I, th- I thought that they were showing something from, um, like they were doing kind of a behind the scenes thing, which is what I'm all about. Uh, right. But it wasn't. It was just wound up being the scene. Yeah, I know. I've seen several iterations of them all sitting on what looks like the old Enterprise from Next Gen. Mm-hmm. I've seen that picture quite a bit. Right. I've seen Data sitting at his post. Oh, nice! That I haven't seen. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, I. It's only kind of enticing me. It's not like, oh, damn it! Now right. I know that. Right. Well, yeah. Like they, I saw that picture because of a behind the scenes article where they were talking about how they had to rebuild the, the bridge, and and they had to do it off of like pictures and the show because there weren't any schematics anywhere. They didn't keep the. Well, there probably weren't schematics. They probably just built it. Right, of, you know, just go like this would look good here, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Without looking up from his newspaper. Yeah, uh, but one thing. So going back to that scene when they encounter Data for the first time. Uh, leading up to that, we kind of go through a museum type walkthrough mm-hmm. of the Daystrom Institute and all the different. I guess I don't. Or what would you call those? Chachkis, Star Trek Chachkis. <laughs> okay. It's the next show coming out in the Star Trek universe. Uh, and they showed the Genesis device, which yeah, I thought was destroyed in the operation of the Genesis. I don't, I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen whatever movie that's from. I think it's the right. second one. Yeah. Uh, no, third one. I think it's the third one. Uh, but I thought it was destroyed. Anyway, so we have that one. And then they go on to Kirk's body is in preservation at the Daystrom Institute. Uh-huh. Which is weird because I'm sure this is being talked about all over the internet, but I'm just trying to understand. Right. So it's it seems as though they come across Kirk and they play the Star Trek theme. So it's Kirk's skeleton. But the problem is in Generations when Kirk dies, he dies and they cover him with rocks and stuff. Yes. And they leave him on that planet. Yes. So does somebody like – is that just for the cleanup crew <laughs> to know where to get him when they come – Whenever well, Star Trek kind of so comes. so yeah so again behind the scenes like the the director was talking about how this gave him an opportunity to give Kirk a little bit more of an epilogue where they did go and collect his his remains he uh, wasn't dead <laughs> I mean that's that's the Shatner novel I don't know if you've ever read that or knew that but he no, no yeah well, Shatner wrote like uh, I, th- I think a trilogy it may have been more than that but uh, but yeah where Shatner or Kirk did not die and somebody came to rescue him. But no, in this, in this he is dead and they collected his body and they brought it back to the Daystrom Institute. Well, that's very interesting. I mean, I feel like they could have done so many things and I wonder what ended up on the cutting room floor mm-hmm. in terms of what they encounter. Right. Um, artifacts. That was the word I was looking for. Tchotchkes, wrong. Artifacts, right. Okay. Um, like a Warehouse 13 artifact type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I mean, they could have done so many interesting things and they yeah. kind of did the same thing with the ships where they come across all the different uh, Star Trek ships. They did the the Defiant and the Voyager, and they did one other one. They did you know, all the ones from the movies. That's how they got he had the idea for the cloaking thing. Right. I thought it was nice. Yeah. I thought it was nice. I also really appreciated the scene with or the when she comes across the Voyager part, and they play all the different themes. Mm-hmm. A great a great use of music. This is when the themes actually work. Mm-hmm. You know, they played all the different shows themes. It was a little a little medley. Right? Nice. Yeah, yeah, it was, and and it it felt very organic. The dialogue between the two of them. Yeah. See, that's where you get your character stuff from mm-hmm. when they're going through something on screen that isn't directly related to the character stuff, like yeah. sitting in a bar and just drinking in the middle of the day. <laughs> is it day? Who knows? We don't know. But the point is that it was organic because they were doing something else. They were they were concocting something. Right. It was. 
Well, no, in that moment, they were literally just kind of killing time. She was asking him, like, which ship is this? Or he was going through, like, just how impressive it was. And she was like, what about this one? What about this one? Right. But they had they had business, right? Yeah. They had business to do versus the Picard Jack stuff. They're just sitting across from each other doing nothing and right. talking. Right. Very un-Star Trek to me. The other one, the seven and Jack scene, uh, very, very organic Star Trek stuff. Mm-hmm. Loved it. You know? Yeah. This is a great show. I don't know why we don't watch more. <laughs> right. We should go back and start at season one. See what all the hype is about. <laughs> and so we get the the, uh, the bomb drop that they have stolen Picard's body. Yes. And I'm trying to figure out why. The only thing I can think of is Borg stuff. Like there's mm. some Borg stuff in there that maybe is left over a la Seven of Nine type of thing. Where, right. And they want to harvest something from the Borg and flocks. <laughs> he was already full Borg, so they couldn't get to his body. Right. Right. Well, yeah, like it's, it's very interesting. Like what, what about Picard? I mean, they kind of already said he was, he was the only Borg with an identity, you know, so maybe there is something to that, but, but other than that, like why you have so many Borg bodies. Season one was like revolved around, an abandoned board cube where there were hundreds of drones. Like, why does it have to be Picard's body? I don't know. Maybe it's something special yeah. about his body. I don't, I mean, but that's, I mean, that could just, it might not be Borg at all. It could be something entirely right. different, but what? Right. Do you know? And you're just playing with me? No, I genuinely don't. Okay. Sometimes you play with me. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you play with yourself. I know. <laughs> it's good to get it out there. <laughs> <laughs> and then they say something like this. I don't remember even what the context is. It just says it in my notes, this phrase, 21st century duct tape. And I hated that they said 21st century duct tape. Just say duct tape. Right, right. You don't have to acknowledge that you're from the future and that it might be implausible that you would know what duct tape was. Yeah. Just say duct tape. I'm out of line here. I no, mean- no, no. You're not out of line. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, I mean, we're in the 24th century. So... It would be like saying, I'm going to, you know, that's like using an 18th century, um, what were they called? Uh, Bathhouse. There are plenty of phrases that we use today that I'm sure have roots in 17th, 18th century nomenclature. Oh, sure. They must. That that maybe have taken different meanings, but are still the same phrase or still are the opposite where it's a different word, but same meaning type of thing. Right. It's plausible. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. It's like hang up the phone. Right. What? <laughs> we don't hang up the phone anymore. Yeah, I know. I was pretending like I didn't know what that meant. Oh, okay. I thought you to shit on my own point. <laughs> <laughs> You're just so angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> shit on my own point, Jonathan. Well, I can't. I can't help it if you don't get my comedy. <laughs> Like, I'm the one carrying the team here, man. <laughs> Somebody's got to laugh at it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Did you remember that? What were they talking about? They were talking about, was it Jordy? Yeah, it, it was Jordy who said it. And I think that he was talking about setting up the um, uh, the cloaking device. Yeah, it must have been. That was fun. That was fun. I liked it. Yeah, And they gave, they, they gave LeVar Burton a lot of crap to say. <laughs> Which I like. They tortured him a little bit. He had a lot. And he kind of was doing a little bit of the, you know how you can tell when they pause unnaturally in between like all of the techno babble. Mm-hmm. You just you can hear them trying to remember the stupid words that they've been made to say. Yeah. He did a little bit of that, but I was, I don't care. I was fine with it. It right. was fun. It was fun to have the, the band back together again. Well, yeah. And kind of like what happened with Jerry Ryan in, a, uh, in the first couple episodes where she was kind of calling the script for what it was, you know, the, the dialogue specifically. I know that Captain Dick was like calling out the scenarios, but, you know, Jerry Ryan, she, I forget what she said, but like in the first or second episode when she was introduced, they they told her about something and she's like, I, I know. Um, <laughs> That's right, I forgot about that. I know but, what you're talking about. Yeah, but in in this episode, you know, like he's he's doing the reunion and he kind of like, Turns to Picard and he's like, we don't have time for this. Like, we need to talk now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, good. 
Right. We had enough of this. We don't need this. Doesn't need to happen. The crew's too big for you to take this much time every time a new person rejoins the team. Right. It's like when the lawyer left Strange New Worlds, and like she's having her moment with every individual as she <laughs> leaves. Like Jordy comes on, and every like the camera slows down, and there's heart swelling music as he's like hugging everyone and just laughing. Yeah. Right. I mean, in a different world, they would have cut to them all sitting around a table having a. A, uh, a fun dinner or something like that, or at the bar, you know, all sharing right. drinks, drinking mm-hmm. in the middle of day drinking, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad that they made Jordy a little pissed. Right. He was in a bad mood. Yeah. Well, and I, I actually thought that uh, the very first scene that we saw with him, where he was saying like, "Turn off all non-life essential, non-essential systems," um, I thought he was going to say, "Yes, I'm going to hide you with the artifacts, so you need to follow my instructions." And so I, it was kind of nice that. He was so opposed to them. Yeah. And I, I I liked the argument that he had too with his daughter, you know, where he was saying, they're not your family. And he, she's like, yes, they are. You taught me that. You know, it was, it, it was nice moments to see Jordy as a dad, having Jordy as a Starfleet officer thrown back in his face. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. It, it gave him good motivation for why he was saying no to Picard. Yes. Even though we kind of knew that wasn't the end of Jordy, you know? Mm-hmm. We knew he was going to be in the show a little bit more than that. Right. But I liked it. I bought it. Yeah. Bought well, it. and it it also gave him stronger motivation to join them beyond, like, it, it's my old crew. You don't understand. Right. Right. Exactly. I'm on the call sheet, so I have to be in the show. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if mom is going to turn out to be, what's her name, from... Oh, yeah. Show. Yeah, I the, hope so. Not the computer, but the actual one. Mm-hmm. What's her name? What's her name? Come on. We've seen the episode. Right. It's in It's in Booby Trap. Well, and and it was his wife in uh, All Good Things. It, she was his wife? Really? Yeah. He just makes a quick comment The computer or the real one? <laughs> oh. He just says her name, so I can't tell you for sure. Leah Brahms. Oh, there you go. Did you look it up or did you just remember? No, it just came Did you look it up? Your lies. <laughs> lies. Yeah. There's, that was more of relief than revelation. So that's how you know. Like, <laughs> Leah Brahms. You know, yeah, that's. Yeah. <laughs> You're kind of mad at yourself as you were saying it because you yeah. had to look it up. Yep. 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 Okay. Well, anyway, uh, I liked how they ended it. I was wondering since the whole band is back at that, I, I thought, was remember thinking to myself, how are they going to get. Marina Sirti sent it back to the show because they're like in the middle of nowhere. How I, I think it's a changeling. I'm very like, I, I don't think that that's her. I think that they know that that's who his wife is because she said like, we need all of Picard's friends and family. It does seem implausible. They could have gone in, to get her and then brought her back to the ship right. in time for all this to happen. That's yeah. maybe what they want us to think though. Right. Right. They did the, the mission impossible mask take off the mask moment (laughs) totally well and actually with all of her like grunting and grumbling when she shot those the her co-workers i thought that it was somehow going to be an odo cameo i genuinely yeah when she was like morphing back into somebody else or i thought it was going to be odo and they were going to do an odo thing yeah is that is that the part you were talking about yeah yeah near the end there before they revealed Troy, when she's like, mm. I was like, yeah. oh, are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, A plus. Well, A minus. I'll give him an A minus. Great episode. Do you say it's Star Trek? Was well, this a proper Star Trek episode? I mean, there was the moral and ethical dilemma with the Forge. Yeah, you're right. I think it was. So I think that the whole data thing, pretty novel. Okay, that's fair. I felt like they could have made it a little bit more interesting when they get into the Daystrom Institute. It could have been a little bit more off-center in terms of weird tech, secret tech, you know? Yeah. Um, I wanted a little bit more from that, and I think they're done with the Daystrom Institute now. And I felt like there could have been more creative stuff happening when they get in there, but because it seems like a pretty big place. Right. But also, they so, weren't there to explore. They were there to do, get to the core get to the vault. Right. It would have been more interesting if the whole episode was them wending through all of the different corridors and, and sub compartments of the Daystam Institute to, uh, to get to where they were going as sort of a heist. 
I thought we were dealing yeah. with a heist at this point, and it was not a heist at all. Right. So yeah, they could have they could have done a few more like just quick s- scenes back to them, you know, three four minutes. Yeah. 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 Of them going through and not just encountering interesting artifacts, but having to solve clues or riddles or that kind of thing. Like it would have been fun. exactly. Yeah. Going through the obstacles to get there. Alan Murray. Yeah. Count two four. <sighs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Uh, we've also watched that episode. So if you want to go back and find that episode, what, whatever it's called, Booby Trap. Runaway Home? Far Away Home? It's one of those. I can't believe you remember the little tune that they <laughs> sing. Alan Murray, then three more. Yep. <laughs> I remember in that scene. So the point is that they have to kind of sing that tune as they're crossing something. And so, the, you know, you have to keep time and keep, you know, which is hard to do when somebody starts directly after you start. Uh-huh. And they're like singing a song, not even like row, row, row your boat in No, time, right. Just, not around. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I which would have been so that. easy to do. Yeah, we did. It. Yeah. <laughs> you should go back and listen to the episode if you're intrigued by this. <laughs> if it's, it's Paul does this, then you won't hear it. All right. Well, I, well, yeah. So, so yes and yes and yes. Uh, yeah. A yeah. I think so. Yes, yes, yes. Genuine. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. Wow. So a uh, good job, Picard. Right. Well done. Uh, what are we watching next week? Uh, we are watching Strange New Worlds episode episode six. Episode six, season two of Strange New Worlds: Lost in Translation. Uhura seems to be the only one who can hear a strange sound. When the noise triggers terrifying hallucinations, she enlists an unlikely assistant to help her track down the source. Is it going to be Jordy? <laughs> I think it's going to be a triple. <laughs> <laughs> An unlikely source. Uh, do you know uh, what it is? is the, does the does the thumbnail tell us who the unlikely source is? No, it shows her struggle. Like it's got Uhura with her hand up to her ear. Um, maybe the doctor's daughter. That would yeah, definitely be, be an cool. unlikely source. Yeah. Well, unlikely. I mean, I feel like Picard. Unlikely assistant is what it says. <laughs> uh, maybe Michael Spock's sister from the future, <laughs> or Michael from Lost. More unlikely, right? <laughs> We're just doing crossovers galore. Maybe we'll finally get some answers on that guy. Yeah. So anyway, I've been Jonathan. And I've been Paul. And this has been the measure of an episode. But you already knew that. Is that Odo? <laughs>